Who's the bigger fraud, the Easter Bunny or Joe and Hunter Biden? There's symmetry in that question of choice. Are we to believe that a rabbit delivers gifts to millions of children in a single night? Or should we believe that the Bidens did nothing wrong by raking in millions of dollars from foreign interests by selling access and influence? I'll take the damn bunny as a more credible story. Easy choice. The question came to me as I was watching Hunter Biden frolicking with the kiddies on the lawn of the White House last Sunday. This is the same guy who's under criminal investigation for suspected fraud and money laundering and a panoply of foreign lobbying crimes. Maybe bribery and racketeering is in the mix. They should be. Forget that Hunter also had a penchant for recording his sexual dalliances with prostitutes and storing those images on his infamous laptop. That's kid stuff compared to international corruption. Yet there he was, the first son, yucking it up at the White House without a care in the world. Why was he even there? Yeah, he probably thought there was cash hidden in the plastic Easter eggs, anything for a buck. Nearby was his doddering dad being escorted around the grounds by a giant Easter bunny, a Biden handler in costume, and shielding Joe from reporters with inconvenient questions. The rabbit was telling him where to go, what to do. Maybe the unidentified furry beast is really the person running the country. The whole thing was both surreal and laughable. But it typified the fantasy world in which the Bidens reside. Laws and rules don't apply to them. They can sell out America and jeopardize national security without an ounce of conscience. Their regret is getting caught, obviously. If only Hunter hadn't forgotten that pesky laptop he dropped off at the repair shop. But never mind, Pops will fix it. He's done such a great job of fixing our economy, keeping inflation in check and energy prices low, solving the border crisis and tamping down the rampant crime that terrorizes cities. His handling of Afghanistan, well, that was the stuff of genius. The war in Ukraine? Give Joe the Nobel Peace Prize, even though much of what he bungled on his trip abroad had to be retracted. Never mind. At what point will the Biden crime family face a reckoning? When will their corruption and lies be fully exposed? It could and it should happen in two different ways. A Delaware grand jury can issue a multiple count indictment of Hunter Biden that would likely implicate the president in their lucrative enrichment schemes. In the alternative, Congress could flip control in the November elections and immediately launch the kind of serious investigation that should have happened a long time ago. Except the Democrats, the media, and big tech ran a mafia-like protection racket that covered up the crimes that were surely committed. Their Russian disinformation lie was a bigger fraud than the Easter Bunny. 
attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times best-selling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. I have a warning for you. Inflation and tax hikes are Biden's only way out of our $28 trillion federal debt. So if you have $50,000 or more in your IRA, 401k, or savings, your money is at risk. Learn how you can protect it with physical gold and silver. Call 855-665-0767 to get your free gold IRA kit. That's right. Call 855-665-0767, and my friends at Gold Co. will give you up to $15,000 or more in free silver with a qualified account. Gold Co. has helped thousands of Americans protect their retirement against inflation and tax hikes. So what are you waiting for? Call 855-665-0767 now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. You've got to know that your presidency is a dumpster fire when one of your biggest suck-up boosters in the media reverses course and begins trashing you. CNN, a dedicated Biden cheerleader, dropped its pom-poms on Sunday, just as Joe was shuffling around the back lawn of the White House with a huge Easter bunny leading him to and fro by the nose. On the show called Inside Politics, the network bemoaned Biden's abysmal approval rating of a scant 33% and how he's hemorrhaging support among every demographic in the book. Democrats are fleeing like rats on a sinking ship. Brought to reality, kicking and screaming, CNN is now admitting the obvious. Americans in mass are turning against Joe Biden because they belatedly realize that his policies are all wrong, and his presidency has the indelible imprint of incompetence written all over it. CNN host Abby Phillips said Joe had managed to create, quote, an environment of overall discontent, end of quote. No kidding? Molly Ball, who's a political correspondent for Time magazine, was more glib. People correctly perceive that he's not in control of the situation. And I think ever since that Afghanistan last summer, people have had, voters overall, have not had a sense of leadership from the White House, have not had a sense that there's a president in control who is strong and consistent and knows what he's doing and can project, you know, a consistent message from one day or the next. There's a lot to unpack there. Biden is not in control. No sense of leadership. No strong or consistent message. In other words, chaos reigns because the supposed leader of the free world has no idea what he's doing. Whoever is running the show at the White House, maybe it's the bunny, it ain't Joe Biden. That person is either oblivious to what ails America, hasn't a clue how to fix it, or is so dedicated to toxic liberal policies that economic destruction is simply the cost of achieving the great socialist progressive agenda. The left reminds me of the doctor who happily pronounces the surgery was a success, although the patient died. 
That's the Joe Biden presidency in a nutshell. Indeed, it's nuts. But Americans are also coming to realize that the Biden name, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, Jim Biden, it's all synonymous with corruption. Here again, the mainstream media is late to the game. News organizations are finally admitting what they long denied. That is, there is compelling proof that Hunter Biden leveraged his father's power as vice president to pocket millions of dollars from foreign nations with whom dear old dad had significant influence. There is persuasive evidence that Joe was in on the illicit and illegal schemes and stood to profit by them personally. Very few people have a solid handle on all the incriminating evidence, but Peter Schweitzer is one of them. Fortunately, he's my guest on the podcast. Peter has been at the forefront of uncovering political corruption at the highest levels of our government. He's the author of several best-selling books, including Profiles in Corruption and Clinton Cash. And his latest bestseller is entitled Red-Handed, How American Elites Get Rich Helping China Win. He's president of the Government Accountability Institute, which has just come out with a brand new report exposing China's efforts to undermine and sabotage America through financial transactions that allow China to gain access to powerful U.S. politicians. And Peter, it's great to have you back with me on the podcast. Terrific report. Um, And in commenting on this new report, you say, and let me quote you here, Hunter Biden is just the tip of the iceberg. But let's begin with him and his father, uh, the president. And I think you're right in two different ways. I think we only know the tip of the iceberg about, about Hunter Biden and his father's involvement. But three years ago, you first exposed how China compromised Joe Biden through his son in a plan to acquire U.S. military and nuclear technologies. How exactly did that work? Yeah, Greg, uh, great to be with you as always. Uh, I think part of the story that is overlooked with Hunter Biden and his involvement with these Chinese firms is not just that the Biden family and specifically Hunter collected this money, but that the entities that he became affiliated with, uh, remember, he was on the board of this financial firm called BHR, this Chinese government-backed investment fund that was buying companies and investing in companies overseas. And what's overlooked is is the role that that entity with Hunter Biden on the board played in acquiring military-related companies. So, for example, um, one of their first investments, and again, Hunter Biden's on the board and has an investment stake in BHR, this investment firm. One of their first investments is in CGN, China General Nuclear, which is an atomic power company, as the name describes. Uh, They become an anchor investor in that company. 
And literally within a year, CGN, the company they just invested in, is charged by our FBI for stealing nuclear secrets in the United States, particularly this firm that Hunter Biden is invested in is trying to steal information related to a small nuclear reactor that could be put on submarines, on aircraft carriers. It has direct military application. We also know that Hunter Biden's firm, BHR, also invested in Henicus. They bought it out. This is an American company that produces anti-vibration technologies that are, are, are of dual use, meaning they can have military application as well as civilian application. And we also know that Hunter Biden's BHR invested in mining companies that were looking for and acquiring assets of very important minerals that are part of the strategic competition with the United States. So this is not just about money, Greg. This is about Hunter Biden participating in Chinese efforts to gain a strategic military advantage over the United States. I mean, China is an adversary of the United States. Yes, we do we do some business with China, but they're an adversary with nuclear weapons. I mean, one can sort of argue, you know, that Hunter Biden is aiding the enemy here with military and nuclear technology. Yeah, I mean, Greg, uh, you and I are both old enough to remember the Cold War. Change the name China to Russia. Imagine if Jimmy Carter's family or Ronald Reagan's family were doing these kinds of deals with Russian businessmen serving the strategic goals of the Soviet Union. Uh, there would be alarm bells going off and there should be alarm bells going off. That's precisely right. what's going on here. China has declared uh, that they are our rival, that they want to defeat us. They believe they're in a technological war with us, as President Xi has said. Uh, so, yeah, they, they are a competitor. And Hunter Biden, uh, through his making of money, is literally helping them in their competition against us. It's really outrageous. And I think you're you're 100% correct. It has not gotten enough attention, uh, that instead the attention has been so, so focused on, you know, the millions of dollars that Hunter Biden has pocketed, uh, not just from China, but Ukraine, from Russia, Kazakhstan, Romania, Oman. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, in, in what appear to be, to me, as a lawyer, uh, you know, Foreign Corrupt Practices Act violations, crimes yeah. uh, that, you know, would include everything from corruption and influence peddling uh, to potential bribery, uh, not to mention FARA violations, uh, avoiding intentionally uh, foreign lobbying laws, which, again, is not just a civil penalty. It's a crime. I mean, you end up in prison for that sort of stuff. Um, but but let me move a little bit forward because Joe Biden to this day continues to insist he was never involved in his son's business deals. Um, I find that utterly preposterous because the evidence is there that that Joe Biden was actually referring business to his son. And they were commingling their finances, weren't they? And don't email and text messages prove it, plus documents and photographs confirming that Joe Biden was meeting with his son's foreign partners. Yeah, I mean, it, this is one of the more outrageous 
uh, frankly, lies uh, that the Biden team has said and Joe Biden himself has said, uh, because the evidence is overwhelming, Greg. You have the commingling of finances, which means that Joe Biden was a beneficiary of these deals. But you also have a myriad of meetings that took place uh, where uh, Joe Biden is meeting with Hunter Biden's business partners. Some of them are Chinese, Ukrainians, uh, Kazakhs. Uh, and, you know, you have to ask yourself, if Joe Biden and he's vice president of the United States is at this time, uh, you supposedly have to have some kind of a security uh, uh, check that's done before these meetings. Do they really want us to believe that Hunter is bringing in all these foreign nationals and Joe Biden never once asks him, who are these guys and why I'm meeting with them? Uh, it's it's patently absurd. Add on to that fact, Greg, that they had a very sophisticated uh, operation in which they were avoiding these meetings actually appearing on the books. They didn't want them to show up in the White House visitors' logs. So they went to all these kinds of arrangements where they would set up meetings. There was a delegation from China that came into the White House and met with you know, several White House officials sort of informally. But we know that the delegation met with Joe Biden because when the delegation returned to China, they said that we met with a vice president, but it never shows up on the White House visitors log. So there's all kinds of evidence uh, that Joe Biden knew what was going on. Uh, he benefited from the deals that his son was doing. Uh, and the notion that he somehow didn't have knowledge uh, is just completely laughable as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree with you. Um the son was paying some of his father's expenses and and taxes with these foreign deals, right? So I mean, it's it's absolutely not true that Joe Biden claims he never made a nickel from it, you know, all of the foreign shakedown operations conducted by his son. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we know that there were monthly bills that uh, Hunter Biden was paying. Uh, that was being paid for and arranged by his business partner, uh, a guy named Eric Schwerin, uh, who was Hunter's business partner. He was actually using money from Rosemont Seneca Partners, which was this internet, this investment firm they set up that was doing all these international deals. They were actually paying Joe Biden as vice president of the United States some of his bills. That is, by the way, patently illegal. You are not allowed to do that according to federal law. We also know that there were certain uh, unexpected, let's say, or additional expenses, renovations to Joe Biden's uh, private residence up in Delaware. Those were also paid by Hunter Biden. And we know that there were joint bank accounts that they held. So we don't even know the flow of money into in and out of those accounts. So yeah, th this is a clear cut case that Joe Biden was a beneficiary. Add to it, Greg, of course, that Hunter sent a couple of million dollars to James Biden. That would be oh, Vice yeah. President Joe Biden's brother. We don't know if James was covering other bills uh, for Joe Biden. So within the yeah. Biden family, money is fungible. It moves around from person to person. Hunter Biden complains in the emails about having to give so much money to his father. And there is evidence to support that that's exactly what was going on. You mentioned, you know, Hunter's Rosemont Seneca companies, and there were many of them, uh, one of them Bohai. And uh, on the very day that this Ukrainian gas company is is wiring the first uh, payment of millions of dollars to Hunter's Rosemont Seneca Bohai uh, account, 
I mean, Hunter's partner, Devin Archer, who's been convicted, by the way, in a, in, in a different case, was meeting at the White House with then Vice President Joe Biden, right? Yeah. Yeah. And imagine that, Greg. What he says is, uh, Devin Archer says, is that he was bringing his elementary age schooled son uh, to meet with the vice president, which <laughs> maybe he was there, maybe he <laughs> wasn't. But it's it's an incredible coincidence. Uh, and we also know, of course, because we've seen the photographs that, that uh, Devin Archer is golfing with Joe Biden as vice president of the United States. They're bringing Ukrainian business partners. And it's really important to point out here, Greg, Devin Archer is an example of this. When you look at the cast of characters that the Biden family has done deals with, how many of those individuals either have criminal records, that is felonies for major crimes, or end up, while they are doing business with Hunter Biden, actually going to jail for felonies like Devin Archer, it literally numbers the dozens of people. We're actually working on a uh, report right now that is going to lay out how many people the Biden family has done business with over the last decade who literally are in jail or have recently been in jail. It's an astounding list. Well, I mean, one can make the argument that, uh, you know, Hunter Biden didn't deal with honest people. He only dealt with crooked people and the convictions prove it. Uh, You know, so much has been said uh, about the infamous document indicating 10% of a major Chinese deal was earmarked for for Joe Biden, a.k.a. the big guy. They always use cryptic names, you know, Celtic, big guy, and that sort of Because, you know, the intent was to hide right. his involvement. And then there's the Biden's deal with CEFC, uh, China Energy. Didn't that net about $6 million uh, in a windfall that went directly to Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's brother, Jim Biden. That's exactly right. It was a $6 million payment. And if you look through the uh, the messages, this was the deal, of course, that involved Tony Bobolinsky. What happened is that CEFC, this Chinese company, wanted to set up an infrastructure fund in the United States, and they were going to seed it with this payment, this, this uh, $6 million payment. It was supposed to go into a account called SinoHawk, which was the, the, the seed money for the basis of this investment fund. Hunter actually told the Chinese counterparts, no, actually, it should go into this other LLC, which happened to be his own personal LLC. So this was money that was <laughs> ostensibly intended for business purposes, this infrastructure fund. Hunter diverted it to his personal fund. And that's when Tony Bobolinsky started to get really upset because he realized this was not an effort to create any kind of infrastructure fund. This was an attempt for the Bidens to pocket millions of dollars. And that's exactly what they did. Well, and moving around from one account to another account to another account uh, without a legitimate purpose um, is classic money laundering. So, I mean, it's it's no surprise to me uh, that as the New York Times finally belatedly admitted, the grand jury in Delaware is not just looking at fraud, they're looking at 
money laundering. I, I have to think this this is one of the many instances they're examining. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, and this is really interesting, Greg, because we know, for example, from the uh, Senate report that Senator Johnson put out that Yelena Baterina, the a Russian oligarch, uh, wired three and a half million dollars to one of Hunter's LLCs. What's also uh, interesting about that case, however, is if you look at the corporate records and documents from the firm in question, this firm was called Burnham. Uh, It was started by Devin Archer and by Hunter Biden. Uh, In the trial that Devin Archer had, they released a lot of the corporate records of Burnham. And it's very interesting, Greg, in those corporate records, they talk about the fact that they, meaning Hunter and Devin, are handling hundreds of millions of dollars, meaning two to three hundred million dollars of Yelena Baterina's money. Now, why is that interesting? It's related to what you're talking about in terms of money laundering. Who is Yelena Baterina? Well, she's the ex-wife of the former mayor of Moscow, but our State Department and other government agencies have linked her to Russian organized crime, and she has a lot of assets in Russia and Europe that she's trying to put into hard assets elsewhere so they cannot be seized. And one of the ways you do that, of course, is by laundering the money. So it's very possible that the money laundering charges relate to what you were exactly talking about. The fact that Hunter was moving money through these LLCs, it could also be reflective of the fact that they were perhaps moving money around for the benefit of Russian oligarchs like Yelena Baterina to launder the money to hide those assets that they were desperately trying to get out of the country and put into hard assets in the United States. Which would support what I've argued for a while now, that the Fed should also be considering uh, racketeering charges. Uh, You know, racketeering is um, essentially organized crime, uh, a, a criminal enterprise that's highly organized for the perpetration of a crime. Here, it would be both fraud and money laundering um, which are independent crimes in and of themselves, but then you could toss some racketeering on top of it. Uh, so, I, you know, I think that should be in play as well. Um, so Hunter and, and Joe Biden flew at American taxpayer expense to China aboard Air Force Two uh, when Joe Biden was vice president. And Hunter almost immediately lands this billion-dollar private equity deal with the Chinese. We're supposed to believe that Joe Biden had nothing whatsoever to do with that? (laughs) Come on! It's it's amazing how many coincidences a list uh, exist in Biden world that they insist are unconnected. Yeah. I mean, here's what we know. We know, uh, Greg, that Hunter Biden first showed up in China in 2011 with this Rosemont Seneca company, uh, and he had meetings with really the equivalent in China of the Treasury Secretary, the head of China. China's Goldman Sachs, the head of China's Bank of America. Hunter met with all of them. And, and these discussions went on for a little bit. It was only when Joe Biden was anointed point person for U.S. foreign policy towards China, those are the exact words that Barack Obama used, that right. Beijing suddenly said, hey, 
we want to do a deal with Hunter. And lo and behold, that deal is finalized. It becomes official 10 days after he visits mainland China with his father, the vice president of the United States. I mean, it's it's an amazing, remarkable coincidence. And those yeah. events are connected. By the way, as you know, Greg, Joe Biden was also the point person for another country. In addition to China, he was point person, again, those exact words used by Barack Obama to describe Joe Biden's role in Ukraine, which is, of course, another country where Hunter just happened to land lucrative deals uh, on the heels of his father being given that position. Well, and you're leaving out uh, Iraq. Yeah. Uh, because Jim Biden, the president's brother, landed this billion dollar construction contract in Iraq at the same time that, you know, big brother Joe is overseeing the U.S. military occupation there. Of course, Jim Biden had no experience in the field of construction <laughs> overseas or, you know, he might have reconstructed the bathroom at his home. But I mean, that's, that's about the extent of it, right? Yeah, no, it's, it, is, it is remarkable how the skill sets of the Biden family expanded once Joe became vice president. Hunter, who had never done any sort of Ford investment deal, is suddenly put on the board and given an ownership stake of a Chinese government funded private equity firm. James Biden is suddenly the executive vice president of a newly created construction company that's getting massive deals. And let's not forget the other brother, Frank Biden, who was doing uh, renewable energy deals in Costa Rica and Jamaica involving U.S. federal government-backed loans and of course, Frank Biden has no background in renewable energy either. <laughs> you know, they saw it all as gravy train. You know, yeah. uh, Joe is vice president of the United States. Barack's putting him in charge of all these uh, uh, foreign countries. Let's go cash in. Cha-ching. And, and that's exactly what they did. And, and as I said before, you know, so much of this is, is foreign corruption and, and a crime. Yeah. Under the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, it's it's just sort of, I mean, it, I would need a calculator to count all of the potential crimes for which these people close to Joe Biden should be charged, including his brother and his son. Um, oligarchs from Ukraine and Kazakhstan met with Joe Biden in Washington, D.C. at uh, Cafe Milano in a secluded room. Gee, what a surprise. Right. Eh, coincidence. Right. It's the only room that could handle them. <laughs> you know, and, and, and this was a meeting, what, arranged by Hunter Biden, but not disclosed on dad's official schedule. Right. right? Yeah, this 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 is the this fits the pattern. So, you know, uh, Hunter is going to have dinner with his dad at Cafe Milano, and suddenly these foreign oligarchs show off. Uh, we have Mr. Mazamov uh, from Kazakhstan, the Kazakh foreign minister, who, by the way, is now also in jail on uh, corruption charges. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know how much faith I have in the Kazakh judicial system, but uh, we know that's going on. And then, of course, we have executives from Burisma the uh, Ukrainian uh, company. And, you know, it's funny, Greg, I mean, we, we laugh about this. It really is um, ridiculous and absurd, but there's a real deeply troubling layer to all of this. And that is, in addition to these oligarchs, in addition to, you know, guys at Burisma, 
a lot of the people that that were sending money to the Bidens, particularly in China, had links to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence, uh, which to me has all the hallmarks of this isn't just corruption. This isn't just self-enrichment. This is really a concerted effort by China to engage in what they call elite capture which is their desire right. to get political leverage over American political families. Uh, and they do that uh, by enriching them. And now they have the ability to embarrass them, to uh, call them out, uh, to disclose the amounts of money, the quantities of money, because I'm sure there's more. It's a hugely serious problem. So you are quite right. There are all kinds of laws that are broken. But in my mind, there are serious national security questions about whether the Biden family is compromise. I think certainly as it relates to China, they absolutely are. And I'm glad you brought up the elite capture because that's really the focus of your brand new report. I just finished reading it this afternoon and it is absolutely worth the read. It's produced by you know your company, uh, the Government Accountability Institute. And you know people can go online and read it, right? Somebody sent it to me, but they can go to your website? Yeah, you can go to uh, Government Accountability Institute. It's the report on the Commerce Department. And, you know, Greg, this is another failing American institution. The Commerce Department is supposed to be helping American business be competitive overseas. But as we point out in the book, uh, the Commerce Secretary in the Biden administration, who was the former governor of Rhode Island, her husband uh, is a major stakeholder in a tech company, uh, which a Chinese government government-backed entity is a major owner uh, and has really- Right. You're talking about Andrew Moffat, who is yes. the husband of uh, Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo. Yes. So, and and he's, he's an executive with this Chinese-funded tech firm. It's called Path AI. Yes. So, he falls under his wife's jurisdiction, right? Yeah. I mean, she's absolutely compromised. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And you can see evidence already. I mean, there was just a, a recent decision that Commerce Department made highly favorable to Huawei, the, the, the Chinese company that now seven countries, including ours, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, and others, say that Huawei is joined at the hip with the Chinese intelligence service. And you cannot trust their services or their products because they will be used for the benefit of Chinese intelligence. The Commerce Department has basically ignored all that evidence and is now giving Huawei a free pass that is going to be very damaging to national security. And in my mind, you cannot separate the fact that the Commerce Secretary's family's financial fortunes are linked to the Chinese government through her husband's deals. That's one of the reasons we're seeing these kinds of reckless decisions being made by our Commerce Department. Yeah, and your report lays it all out, exposing this systemic uh, effort by China to undermine America with elite capture, as, as you describe it. It's not the Department of Commerce. It's the Department of Cronyism. And you're abundantly fair because you don't just – uh, point out the compromised and conflicted people in the Biden administration, uh, but also the Trump administration. You're fair about it. Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross chaired and co-owned a shipping company with a state-owned China 
investment corporation, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, we remember in the Trump years that one of the hallmarks was a very tough and I think effective stance that the Trump administration took against Beijing on a number of fronts, including tariffs. The problem is, is that Wilbur Ross, again, with this financial tie to this Chinese shipping company, uh, really worked to undermine. There were times when uh, tariffs were pushed by the Trump White House. Uh, Wilbur Ross, because he has jurisdiction over this area, he would soften them. He would weaken them. So yeah, this is a a bipartisan problem. We obviously focus on Hunter Biden because we're talking about the first family of the United States, and and that's the most powerful family. But this is a pattern and a problem that exists within our government agencies as well. The Commerce Department under both President Trump and President Biden uh, has been plagued by this problem as well. The conclusion of your report uh, at the GAI, Government Accountability Institute, is, is as follows. The Commerce Department is no swampy backwater, but a tucked away oasis of quiet wealth and privilege for the wealthy and the well-connected. That is, that's very well said. I mean, the Commerce Department is supposed to be looking out for American interests through foreign commerce and tariffs, what's appropriate, what is not, what's permissible, what is not, uh, and with an eye on protecting our national security. But the people at the Commerce Department can't do that if they're personally invested overseas and therefore compromised, right? Yeah, that's exactly right, Greg. I couldn't have said it better myself. And that's a particular problem as it relates to China because they use their leverage, they use their economic links with political leaders in the United States and and in other countries to get the kind of policies they want to carry out. I would be less concerned if the Commerce Secretary's husband uh, was uh, taking private investments from a German investment fund because German Germany doesn't carry out these kind of mercantilist policies. They don't have the fusing of their state with their businesses, but that's what happens in China. It's an enormous problem. And, you know, it's frustrating to me that this was not a bigger issue uh, when the Commerce Secretary was confirmed by the Senate. It should have been paid attention to. It should have been exposed back then, but alas, it was not. Peter Schweitzer, you can read his latest report uh, at the Government Accountability Institute's uh, website. Also, you got to pick up his latest book, Red-Handed, How American Elites Get Rich, Helping China Win. Peter, great to see you as always. Thanks so much for joining us. Greg, always great to be with you. Thanks for having me. All right. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.